podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Back everybody to the Axome Bulletin Tuesday afternoon. It's not John Paul George and Ringo. It's another Fab Four. It's Declan, Liam, Natasha, Lawrence. That was not scripted, by the way. I'm a big Beatles fan, and I've got my mug there, and we've got four days on today. So welcome back. Um, we've got plenty of transfer chat as per usual. It's January. Things are heating up in the past half hour. Things have went a bit mental with two players, particularly. So we will be chatting about Stephen Welsh and Cho Gui Sung. We're really fortunate. We've got Liam on today who was sorting out me and Natasha's uh, Japanese and South Korean uh, pronunciations earlier on. So if they are rotten, you are more than welcome to giving us an absolutely stinking in the chat. Liam, I'll, I'll come to you first. You, you were over in Scotland for Christmas. You're, you're back in Japan now. You're telling me it's absolutely Baltic um, where, where yeah. you are. Um, how, how how was your trip over? Oh, it was, uh, it was lovely. Um, would, it, would it have been nicer if we'd have, if we'd have got a win at Ibrox, but, uh, you know... Um, fun fact: I think I'm. I think I'm. I know I'm the only person on Axel. Might be one of the very few people in the world who owns a brick at both Celtic Park and Ibrox. And I visited both of them while I was over. Um, when I was uh, when I was finishing up high school, my mates, for a joke, bought me a brick that says "Liam Carrigan, loyal fan." And to this day, you can see it in the David Cooper panel on the Copeland Road end. I was wondering if you had planned some big game agenda. You know, you were over there trying to. We're only two minutes in, Lawrence, and you come out with something like that. Come on. But I, uh, I'm glad you cleared that up, Liam, because you know all sorts of conspiracies and whatever could have could have started there. You know, I mean, I know that ourselves as Celtic fans in the past week are paranoid. It's all a conspiracy. Everything's against us. Um, so, thanks for clearing that up, Natasha. Good to have you back on a Tuesday, Lawrence. I know a lot of listeners will be disappointed. The Christmas trees down, but hopefully the, the trophy that's behind you is heading back in our direction in a few months' time. 
well, but it's never left, is it? You know, it, it's at its rightful home, despite the referees. You know, knowing your house that is Celtic Park, what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And Natasha, good good weekend, good victory at the weekend. I, I saw you um, in passing on Saturday, um, but good victory and another important three points. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was nice to um, get the, the three points. Of course, I thought the the first half for me was a bit unlike us. I thought we were a bit slow. I thought our passing was a bit slow. I thought the forward play was a bit static, um, particularly in the first half. But whatever... Ange did at halftime worked. Um, there wasn't much Ange ball on display in the first half, but we definitely saw more of that in, in the second. It's not often that you go in, you know, at halftime and you're talking to people about it and things like that, and you're thinking that was that was a bit boring. That was a bit dull. I don't think that's ever a criticism that's often levied at an, at an Ange side that we've seen so far. But I thought the first half was just a little bit dull. But the spark came back in the second, and I thought we definitely picked it up a bit. Um, Interestingly, I thought O'Reilly coming on helped. Um, and I know there's been a lot of criticism of him recently, a lot of you know critique coming his way that it was perhaps time that he got a break, that he needed a little bit of time out, that he hadn't been at his best since McGregor came back into the team and he moved back into what was supposedly his more natural position. But I think him coming on ten- seemed to work. You know, He came on, I think, 63rd minute, and that really coincided with us finding our, our rhythm again, finding our pace again. So... Maybe, you know, the, the criticism coming his way in the last few weeks has been doing him a slight disservice and that he is really instrumental in that role. Um, but second half, I was I was pleased with the first half, not so much. It was interesting to read his uh, former coach doing it, MK Dawn's comments last week. And he basically talked about, you know, Matt playing through this kind of... You know, he called it a bad patch. I don't think it is. His whole kind of point in his article was around the fact that O'Reilly had set such high standards coming in last January playing so well for us a lot that maybe there was a drop off it's disappointing obviously he's not scored for us as of yet this season but I agree I, I thought we, we looked good um, when he came on and, and Lawrence you know it was a team that was set out that I think a lot of people were kind of calling for you know Jota and Maeda on the wings Moy back in the midfield giving uh, O'Reilly that wee bit of time out the, the, the team in Burnaby coming in um, what was your thoughts on the players that, that, that came in following the derby game at the weekend and their performances yeah. well, obviously kind of a different opposition we know they were going to sit deep and, and they'll really try and attack us so we're forced to bring Burnaby in but you might have started him anyway uh, Jota thought you know was cracking he looks the, as if he's getting back to his old self I don't know what the moustache is all about though I think yeah, I'm, I'm not he's getting it. And he's younger days, and I think yeah. Jota has to. He's just kind of going right. I'm just going to clone Ange. <laughs> but yeah, it's but listen. It's a hard team to, to break down, Kilmarnock. But never, never in danger from them. But it's another three points. We're just ticking off the games now. Uh, no great controversies in the game, was there? You know, apart from kebab. Pies at half time round, my but I, I thought it was a real controversy. I'm not. Really? I, 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 I don't get it. She was chatting about them, and Bonnie Red Rose had them, you know, a couple of years yeah. ago. And I think she's brought them to the wider world now, and they've made it a Celtic Park. Yeah, they didn't even ask me any test on that. You know, you don't worry. I'm not impressed at all. I'll stick to and the humble steak pie, even sometimes like a wee macaroni now and again. But no, I'm not impressed by them. Uh, at all but you know 
Liam, I was quite surprised to read Derek McInnes after the game. Um, because good old Derek, you know, for years at Aberdeen, you know, used to speak about how hard done by his team was. Um, not how great Celtic were. It was always how unlucky Aberdeen was. But at the weekend, fair play to him. He comes out and he was lavishing praise and Ange Postacoglu and the Celtic team calling one of the, the best Celtic sides, if not the best Celtic team he's faced. Yeah, I think um, it's kind of hard to argue with that, really, when, you're, when you've been as thoroughly outplayed as his team had been that day. Um, I mean, the amount of you know, hitting the post, hitting the bar, whatever, the, the scoreline doesn't tell the story. That could easily have been five or six at the weekend on a, you know, on a slightly different day. Um, but yeah, I just think it was a good, um, a good continuity result. Out, coming out of a derby, you're always a bit worried that the next game might be a wee bit rocky. But we we managed to get through it, and you know, I think we've uh, we've done well because Kilmarnock are a tricky one to navigate sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, I wouldn't say a bogey team, but they're a team that is very very rare do you get a good game when you're playing against them because it's usually very turgid and it's usually a a one or two nil grind, but actually second half that game at the weekend was a lot more entertaining than it usually is against them. So fair play to both teams in that respect, I suppose. Natasha, you know, that comment coming in there, Derek's ever praises before, I think Liam makes a good point there. Um, and there's even, you know, some coming in the comments here. Michael, you see, you have to remember there's two teams in the park. Kilmarnock just ran out of steam in the second half, all because we worked them so hard. That was something the manager spoke about after the game and Jota. Um, two after the match speaking to both of them was that there's a belief in, in the team um, that you know just continue to do our, our own thing and teams will tire and, and we'll get our results from it and that mindset builds into what Lawrence is saying is it's just a case of now ticking each game off as they come and looking not too far ahead of yourself just taking it one game at a time yeah, absolutely. And I think that is definitely a differential that we do see in the Celtic side compared to a lot of the teams that we do play, is that our fitness levels are superior. We know that Celtic are going to dominate a lot of the ball, especially at Celtic Park, and that's going to make it difficult for the opposition, whoever they are, because you're doing a lot of chasing the ball, you're putting a lot of work in, and you're not always going to get a lot of reward for that. So naturally, as the second half goes on, those players are going to tire, and that's when we really come into our own, because the gaps start opening up. We're not getting closed down as much. We get to play our football a little bit more. And I think we saw that against um, Kilmarnock at the, the weekend. That really did happen. And the minute you start giving us a little bit more time on the ball, the minute your pressing drops off, that sits us down to a tee. We can play our football. We can find the gaps. We can find the spaces. And that is probably one of the reasons why we do tend to score so many goals so late on in games. Yet, it wasn't quite as, as late this time round, but it could have been. We had plenty and plenty and plenty of chances later on in that game. And I don't know about you guys, but I was watching it at times thinking that it felt like there was a force field around that goal and the ball just was not going to cross the line. So as frustrated as we were in the stands, I can only imagine how frustrated players like Jack and Marcus were on the pitch. But like Liam touched on, that scoreline could have been could have been more had some of those chances went into the, the net as they probably should have. But... Yeah, coming back to the the comment about finally getting some some praise from Derek, it, it's probably very difficult to do much other, isn't it? You know, you you look at that performance, you look at the stats, you look at the way both teams have played. More and more now, I think we are starting to hear managers just hold their hands up and say, "Look, that is a very very good Celtic team." Um, and unfortunately, we can't compete with a team that are on that form and playing at at that level. So. Yeah, I appreciate it. I get that. I don't think Andrew will be looking for for praise from other managers. He as long as he's happy with the team and what they're doing, then that's all that'll matter to him. 
That's it. And I know the opinion of a former Ranger, Lawrence, will take. We have a very small pinch of salt. Do you think you're in the semi-final at the weekend, Lawrence? You know, people are asking kind of after the game, do you think it'll be a different game and whatnot? I think you'll see probably much similar from Kamala trying to waste time and probably try to take us as long as they can. Is that the kind of game that you're expecting on Saturday from them? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, they're not going to open up, are they? You know, nah. set pieces, free kicks in, in and around the box, they'll just be looking to throw in. And, and Especially with Big Ash Taylor in there. That's always the target, yeah. man, isn't it? Yeah, so, you know, they'll look for a bad decision as well. They, they know they'll get, you know, if they open up, they'll get hammered. So, you know, McInnes has got to do the best with what he's got. And, you know, when facing Celtic, he knows he, he needs to drill his team well to defend well, and it'll be two banks edge in a box it's you know and we'll, we'll tire we'll work them hard hopefully we're getting an early goal but if not you know you know, we know not to worry with this team we know what's coming uh, you know, what else can Commander do they can try, try and break a rhythm they can try and defend well but and, and play for set pieces they don't really have any options they can't go toe-to-toe with us so it's, it's what they've got to do isn't it yeah it's a nice kind of it's not a break but you know plenty of different competition kind of lets players have a wee bit of different focus it's a good opportunity to get to the first final of the season and it's obviously the cup that we first won um, under Ange Postacoglu so I think there'll be a lot of um, you know very heads and shoulders going into the game wanting to go out and have the best performance win and get to that cup final um, and hopefully reading uh, Duke who plays for Aberdeen yesterday Jota's old mate he maybe does as a turn in the other game um, Liam we'll, we'll go right to into the transfers and we'll go to, to Chogu Sung first um it's been a wee bit topsy-turvy the past day. We see that Celtic's bid is higher than, than Bundesliga side Mainz. This morning, news then broke that Minnesota United from the MLS had went to the table with a, a bid of around £4 million, that being obviously a wee bit of an increase in what Celtic's offered. But then just about half an hour before we came on, um, news came out that Celtic were in London holding talks um with uh, John Books, Hyundai Motors, a uh, technical director, former Manchester United midfielder, Ji Sung Park. Um, this looks quite promising at this point in time. We don't want to jinx it, but it looks as if it's heading in the right direction so far. Yeah, I think um, it's very telling that clearly this is a guy that Ange really wants because ordinarily he's not the type of manager to get drawn into such protracted negotiations. He's made it clear before in incomings and outgoings, look, if you want to come here, come here, but it's not my job to sell the club to you, you know? So he's kind of slightly going against that and allowing this deal to drag on for as long as it has, but clearly it's a player he really wants. And I do, as far as I understand it, Ange has had his eye on him since even before the World Cup. So I I think it will go through and I hope it does because it would be... um, you can see that the, uh, just to go on a slight tangent, you can see that the, the media in Scotland are already trying to construct the narrative around it by making up this nonsense that the other mob are in for him. Uh, you know, <laughs> they'd be doing well to afford a, a Korean takeaway, let alone a Korean striker. So, you know, um, but, uh, the, you know, the, the narrative is there that if, you know, if Celtic sign him, oh, Rangers didn't want him anyway, he's obviously no good enough. You know, that, that's going to be the narrative going forward. So just be prepared for that, everybody. Yeah, I found it really bizarre and strange. I mean, there's been absolutely no concrete offer um, on the table. Celtic, um, going by reports in South Korea, look as if they are the front runner. Natasha, but we know that there's been a desire, I think, from, from Cho's perspective to play. 
in European football, but but taking away the, the football ability on the part, which is of course is the most important thing we were saying just before we came on, um, as an asset in terms of his brand himself as a player alone, is probably worth signing. Uh, you only have to go on Instagram and have a look at his mm. followers. It's over two million. And as you rightfully pointed out, I think he's been on the, the front of Vogue and everything over there too. So in terms of, you know, we'd been on before when Celtic were over in Sydney for the Super Cup, talked about the, the club growing its brand in different yeah. markets. Just by signing this player, it's certainly a, a new market that Celtic can explore. Yeah, I think it's important commercially. Um, I think it's pretty smart business. Um, I hadn't been aware of this signing before that we'd been linked to him. Obviously, doing your research as you have, you you find out about this massive following he's got back home. Give, which him, a, is... give him a wee follow. I probably doesn't need it, but just to keep my on him. <laughs> well, you know. follow. I've done it too, Aye. so um, we can keep track of his movements if he's going to update his Instagram. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's interesting from that. Let, let's put his playing ability aside. Celtic is a brand looking to grow in new markets. What better way to do it than to sign? you know, one of their most well-known players. Um, so, yeah, I think that's interesting, brings a new dynamic. I don't think that any of our existing players have ever graced the cover of Vogue. So this will be a, a new one for us. Um, not sure how he'll adapt to, to a different way of life over here. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet. Not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I'm sure he'll be absolutely fine. In terms of his playing ability, again, like I've touched on, don't know too much about him before we were linked to him, but what I'm hoping he can be is this clinical striker that, that I think we need. I know it sounds strange to say that, given that we've got Kyogo, who is obviously the, the league's joint top scorer at the moment. But I do think if we have one criticism of our forwards at the moment is that we aren't actually capitalising on the number of chances we create and we're not quite clinical enough in front of goal. Adding a new striker is something that we've talked about for, for a few months now to help mm-hmm. try and address that issue. And I'm hoping that he is you know, the, the answer to that problem and the gap that we're probably going to have there we can come on and talk about Giacomacus as well and if he's, you know, sort of filling that void that he's going to leave. But I think regardless of the Giacomacus situation, I think we were all in agreement that we probably needed another striker in. Um, 
for me, I think it's a bit of a shame to lose Jack and Marcus, to be honest. Um, I appreciate that we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, but he is a player that I've always liked. I think he offers us something different um, to Kyogo and to our other attacking players that maybe um, Cho is going to come in and address as well. But I think that Jack and Marcus could have been an asset for the rest of the season. But equally, you know, we've got to think about it from the player's point of view. He's not getting very much game time. He's not getting the game time he wants or needs at this stage of his career. And a fully fit Kyogo is always going to start before him. So for his own sake, I get why he'd be looking elsewhere. I wonder if we slightly underutilised him and not given him opportunity he deserves to get into a bit of a rhythm. But like we've said, Ange is the one who sees him day in, day out. He's making decisions um, in terms of what best fits the team each weekend. And if that means that we're not going to give Giacomacchus the game time he needs, then we, he wants and he wants to go, then we need to make that happen, move him on, bring in Cho um, to hopefully fill that void and, and take it from there. We've hopefully learned our mistakes from, from keeping players at the club that, that don't want to be at the club. Mm-hmm. We saw how that uh, turned out. Um, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying there, Natasha. You know, but we've seen Yakimakis scored very important goals last season for us. He was a vital part of Celtic winning the league title, especially in the second part of the season. Um, he's not scored for the club since October, mainly because he's been coming off the bench. But you know, with Kyogo's record, you know, there's a balance to be had here. And as you say, Ange Postecoglou sees him every day, knows what he's getting, has had those conversations behind closed doors. If Ange's, you know, confident enough that he'll be able to move him out and bring a good enough quality striker in, I think as Celtic fans, he has enough credit in the bank, Ange Postecoglou, that will trust him in that decision. Um, a few other people have noticed Gusung at the World Cup. Uh, one coming in here to say the Stormer against Brazil, and this coming in here to say Cho will prefer Europe over the MLS. Part Gusung has told him Europe is the place. That was something uh, myself and Liam were talking about earlier on. Uh, if somebody in the comments can have a wee look at it, did Jason Park play at Celtic Park for Manchester United? I want to say he played second time around, but if you're in the comments, um, please do let us know. Lord, it's just in terms of this deal and probably what you're offering. Cho, do, do you think it'll be a hindrance at all that you know the, the point that we make there that at this point in time, I fully fit Kyogo as your number one choice striker? Is it just a case for Cho that he's coming in as an opportunity to shine in European football and he'll show and try his best to the manager? To become that starting striker, yeah, I think that's what. But anybody faces, you know, you've got to dislodge Kyogo from the team. You've got to prove in training or any chance that you get on the park that you should be starting. And you know, as much as Yakimakis has been okay for us, he's not been able to dislodge Kyogo. He's obviously, you know, looking elsewhere. It looks like he's on his way out. We'll get some decent cash for him. But yeah, the, 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 that's his target. You know, displace Kyogo. Get one on the team. I'd like to see us bring in two two strikers, and I'd like to see us be three mm. because I think you know last season there was a point where both were injured. I think it leaves us a wee bit light, and, and also with Joe, we don't really know how he's going to perform in Scottish football just now. So it, it'd be good maybe to look to bring in a, another. See, you know, Nisbet's back on the, the goal trail. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about him in the comments. What what is your thoughts on that one? Yeah. The, he looks a, a decent player. He definitely knows where the back of the net is. Would he come to Celtic as a squad player? You know, it, it depends, depends, doesn't it? But, yeah, I, I would, if we were buying him as a third striker, I'd be happy enough. Yeah, you know, there's two in front of him and he's getting chances from the bench. I think he could as a third striker. 
It's an interesting one. There's a lot of people in the comments. Um, I brought that one up there. I know a lot of you have, have mentioned Kevin this, but we'll maybe get on to talk about him later on. Obviously, I had it at the weekend. My only worry with Kevin Nisbet whether he's been out for, for nine months here and how he will recover from that. Um, you've seen flashes so far. Hopefully, he is over the worst of those injury issues. Um, we'll switch over to Yakimakis. We're working in this conversation about strikers and whatnot. He's obviously linked with a move to Japan. Can you give us a wee bit of background on the club that he's linked to? Right, well... Um, there is the the facts and then there's the opinions. I'll give you the opinion first. Um, I hope Jack Marcus doesn't go there because the Rama Reds are a thoroughly detestable club. They are uh, they are the, uh, the the Sevco of Japan, if you like. Um, uh, known racist element amongst their supporters, uh, a known hooligan element amongst their supporters. Um, basically, the only reason they are where they are is because they're bankrolled by Mitsubishi Heavy Industries. So they embody the worst elements of uh, money, politics, and everything that's wrong with uh, certain elements of uh, football, unfortunately. So I don't like them as a team very much. And um, I have been to their stadium once before, though. I saw them play Man United a few years ago. Nice big stadium, um, 60,000 capacity. But their home gate averages about twenty-five to 30,000, making them the second biggest supported team in Japan after Yokohama. Um, their current uh, record signing uh, was only, f- I think, about fi- uh, five point four million. So, the idea that they would pay six million for Jackie seems unlikely to me. But they do have a lot of money. They're throwing a bit of money about at the moment. They've not won the J League for a few years, and for a team of their size and their fan base, that's not acceptable. So they are looking to invest and. I just don't know. Jackamakis doesn't seem to me to be the type of player they need, but they seem to be in for him, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite puzzled as to where this story has actually come from because it doesn't make financial sense. Um, doesn't make sense if Jackamakis is unsettled for him to go to an environment in Japan which is even more alien than where he is at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, yeah, n- none of it really seems to work for me, but yeah, I I, I don't see that move coming off. I think if Jackie leaves, he's going to go to somewhere in Europe instead because Arawa is the wrong club for him just for a number of reasons, and I don't think they would be willing to meet Celtic's valuation either. And we do want you know a, a good price tag. I know that there's been kind of mixed reports about this leave. I've seen stuff at four million, I've seen stuff rising to eight million. Interesting mm. to hear what their record transfer fee is. Um Natasha, you know, Yakimak is coming from top goal scorer in the Divisie, you know, not to be disrespectful to our clubs, you, you thought that he was making that step up to Celtic to try and raise his profile, which he had the opportunity to do in the Champions League. He obviously scored in the Champions League. That was his last goal for the club against Shakhtar. Um you would have thought at 28, you know, listen, we, we don't know what his priorities are. Some players prioritise money in their career. Some prioritise glory and whatever else. We don't know what Jackie Marcus's priorities are. But you would have thought post-Celtic around 28 is probably going to be a big payday. Yes. But when you've got clubs in Bundesliga and, and Serie A possibly interested in, you know, Sampdoria is one. Those offers might just look a wee bit more attractive to you. I would imagine so. He's at the age where he has you know, one good move left in him um, and it needs to be the right one. So he needs to be careful because this is a really important one for him um, for a number of reasons. And like you say, it totally depends on what he 
prioritise these. But thinking from a Celtic perspective, our priority, if he is wanting to leave, our priority is one, to make sure that he doesn't get him the move that he wants because there's no point trying to detain someone who doesn't want to be there. And our second priority is making sure that we get the right value for him. Now, some of the figures that are being mentioned, you know, four or five million, I don't think that I don't think that's enough. You know, we're not going to be able to properly replace him for that. I know that Cho's getting talked about in circa three million, which hopefully turns out to be a bit of a bargain. But if you look at Jack Marcus and what he provides and what he brings, I do think you are going to struggle to to replace a striker like him for anything round about that four or five million pounds mark. It's just not the way the market's working at the moment. Um I don't know what Hibbs would even be demanding for a player like Nisbet or you know you're looking at players like Shankland as well. You're gonna end up having to pay that to get someone like that. And I do not think that is a, a replacement for Jack Marcus. No. So we need to be smart about this and make sure that we weigh up the balance of getting a player out of the club who doesn't want to be there and making sure that we actually get the correct value for them. Um, and from the player's perspective, yeah, I think I think the Japanese move would be a bit of a strange one. So I expect to see him go somewhere in Europe. Lawrence, in terms of, you know, there's a few people coming in saying they would rather keep a hold of Jackie Marcus, which I think is a fair opinion to, to hold. Mm-hmm. But as far as we, we we know, just by reports that, you know, I don't think he's too chuffed at playing second fiddle to Kyogo at, at this point in time and his wages um, are not up to, to standard to what he wants. Um, and, you know, as Natasha says, that if there is a desire for the player to stay at the club, I think it, Celtic should certainly be looking at, at trying to get that done. But uh, if he's not happy, then, you know, from the, the lessons learned during the, the, the 10 in a row season, you can't keep these players around the building for, for their sake and for the club's sake. Yeah, I mean, Natasha's touched on it. There's got to be a balance in how much money we get for him. You know, you're not just uh, taking any offer. He'll leave his shot when he goes out, so, you know, maybe have the chat, you know, stay to the summer. But if you get a decent offer in from now, you know, if you've got £8 million in from now, I think that's a decent piece of business on Yakimakis. Uh, yeah, and he wants to go. There's a lot. We know Tosh and Timo have been running the rule over a few strikers. So, yeah, somewhere in that region, you're taken straight away. But, you know, if it's two or three million, yeah, you, you wouldn't be letting them go at, at, at that rate. So, well, depending on how much we got offered for them, then who we're going to get in, you know, because I, I, I'd like to see two come in if he goes. He's got normally gets goals for a Jackamacus, so he, you know it's an own quantity. If he gets minutes on the park, we know he's going to get the goals. And until your new striker does that, you, you know you're never too sure whether he's going to be a, I don't know, a Robbie Keane or a Tony Cascarino. It's just it's a, you get. Yep, Keane. Keane was one of the players I first remember coming in. It's here to actually looking back at. Uh, January buys. He was probably one of the kind of standout ones for a wee while um, until we kind of get our finger at our backside in the the, the January market. But um, you know, there's a lot of people you know coming in here. I think it's very fair that the points meet both sides for Jackie Mackenzie. Maybe he should have honoured a gentleman's agreement to up his wages till the summer. Maybe look at the market there. We know that January is a market that can be pretty difficult and whatnot. Liam, in terms of that point that that Lawrence is making, is something that. I've kind of thought for a long, long time is that we, we do need um, three strikers at the club and, you know, this is a fair point too. People come in and say that we have a first striker and Japan's number one striker being Maeda, but 
you know, I'm very much to the point that you should have a, a squad assembled with players that you're not having to fill gaps. I like the flexibility that we've got around the squad. But if anything was to have happened to, to Yakimakis or Kyogo this season, putting Maeda through the middle, you then lose one of your wingers. And to me, that's always something that, you know, can be a wee bit of a, a, a worry. Do you think, are you quite happy continuing just with the two strikers? Or would you maybe look forward to Celtic bringing in another one potentially in the summer months? I'm happy with what we've got at the moment in terms of numbers. So if Giacomacus goes out and Cho comes in, I'm happy with that. If we want to take on another Scottish striker that we can get cheaply to help with the, uh, the what do you call it, the the, uh, the the quota or whatever it is that we have to have of Scottish players, then fair mm. enough. But you know, somebody like Nisbet or Shankland is not going to walk into that Celtic team. So it needs to be someone who's coming to Celtic knowing that they're going to be a bit part player and to be prepared for that. But going the other way, I don't think Ange would be keen to sign anybody who's going to be willing to accept that. So it's kind of a it's kind of a vicious cycle there. Um, I no, I, I, I think Jakimakis is off, but as I say, I don't think he'll go to Urawa. I really don't see that happening. Sampdoria seems like the most realistic of all the clubs that I've heard bounded about either that or one of the teams in uh, in Germany um, because he's um, he's he's better than he's better than the J League at the moment um, and I don't think if he's not happy in Scotland I don't think he'd be any happier in Japan because it's an even more an even bigger departure from his life in Greece to, to come mm. to, to Japan so no I I I, I'm pretty sure he's going to stay in Europe, but I do think he's going to be for the off directly because, as we've seen before, when a player makes it clear he's not happy, the manager doesn't mess around. He gets them out the door as quick as possible. So I think Jakimakis and Juranovic both are going to be out the door shortly. And Natasha, it's back to that judgment of the manager. You know, as four Celtic fans on here, which is what we are, and we're not trying to be anything more than that. We can only go by opinions, what we read, what we hear and whatnot. But it's ultimately the manager's judgment, which is I keep going back to, you have to trust. Um, and in this window, if there's been talks ongoing, we see Alistair Johnson come in for Juranovic. I know some people will be disappointed to see him go. I am, I think he's been a terrific player for Celtic. But if both Juranovic and Yakimakis goes, I have confidence in the manager replacing him um, because at this point in time I still think that he, he has that full control I hope that continues for as long as he's at the football club um, and you just need to, to trust in that That's it and I think that is a slight difference that Ange and his team have brought to us that we perhaps haven't seen in previous transfer windows before his arrival is that when key players left there wasn't the same confidence in that they were going to be backfilled and the the difference now is that I do have that confidence. Of course, as a fan, like you talk... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. 
This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I'd be disappointed to see both Juranovic and Giacomacus go because they have been two really important players for us. I think they are two very talented players. I think they're two players who work very well with our squad, of course we'd be disappointed to see them go. Um, you can look at the business side of things, you can look at the, the money they bring in, you can look at the potential for reinvestment. That is interesting to me as a fan, but that's more a business side of the club. And the most important thing for me is to have the best possible starting eleven on the pitch. And I think a lot of the time, Juranovic, especially Jack Marcus to an extent, they both fit that that best eleven. Um, so from a fan perspective, yes, very disappointed to see them both go. But like you've touched on, the difference I have now in this transfer window and the previous ones under Ange is that I do have confidence in them that they're going to be replaced and be replaced properly. Um, we've got that through experience with Ange. We've seen him do it before. In practice, his signings have all been very, very good. It's very difficult to, to pinpoint any Ange signings, if you like, that haven't worked out. Um, I know the key example of that is probably... Adeguchi, but he's been a player who's been particularly unlucky with injury, so I'm willing to, you know, you know, bench that one. But otherwise, Angie's signings have been really good. We've lost players, yes, you know, but we have equally managed to replace them with very, very talented players. He's got a history of that. He's got a track record of that now, and that's given us as the fans that confidence and that belief in him. So again, I fully trust them to do the same here. We've already seen it to an extent with Juranovic, who obviously hasn't left yet, but being replaced by Alistair Johnston. Everything I've seen of Johnston so far gives me confidence that he is going to come in and, and adequately replace Juranovic. And I've got trust that if Giacomacus goes, then the striker that we bring in, if that's true, if that's someone else, is going to adequately replace him. So Ange has managed to get that confidence in the fans through the track record that we've seen so far. And also to bring in at the conversation, because it's in our chat, we'd like to bring in our, our listeners. Lawrence Summer saying that, that Joey Dawson, you know, is doing well for the B team just now. And if you, you know, are looking in and around your squad at trying to promote players up, he could potentially be in with that mix. But of course, the balance to that is he's playing in the fifth tier of Scottish football just now. Um, from what I've watched of the B team, I know Natasha, you try and get along to, to watch them and the women's team. Um, as often as you can from what I've watched of the B team they, they are starting to resemble very slowly um, a, a Celtic side some of their football is very very good it's whether we could make uh, that step up but again you know we speak a lot on here about B team players getting a chance I've seen Rocco Vata be handed his senior debut at Easter Road uh, a, a few weeks ago I'd be interested to see towards the end of the season if any of those other guys including Dawson who I know has been linked to a move to, to Inverness Coming to that picture at all? Mm. Yeah. I think, yeah. 
Yeah, I think Johnson done all right against St Johnston, didn't he? He was unlucky not to score. Yeah, that's right. He's made his senior debut. Yeah, Fatih Scottish football. You know, if he's got promise, he might be somebody. You know, that you put out and loan to a Christie or an Ayer with him, get him out for a year, get him experience. But I'm not sure of that. Yeah, I think you'd certainly be looking for, um, you know, somebody with a bit of profile. And again, into the the Kananisbek question, but we shouldn't probably just be signing a player because they play in, in our league. You know, in terms of Lawrence, you speak a lot about the scouting networks and whatever itself it's got up, set up. We should be looking to sign the, the best quality player that's going to improve our team. And again, um, one of you folks made the point that if a player's just happy to come in to be a squad player, it's probably not the type of signing that Ange um, wants to make. He wants players who's coming in, who's ready to play first-team football and has that desire to do so. One of those players, Liam, who you probably would regard as a squad team player um, is, is Stephen Wells. He hasn't appeared for Celtic. I had to be look back since we, we beat St Johnston. Um, 2-1 up there when, when Yakimakis um, scored the winner. He was last on the, the, the bench involved in a, a first-team squad for Celtic when we get thumped 5-1 in the Bernabeu. Um, what, what is your take on this? Do, we now know that, that Celtic are willing to listen to offers for Stephen Wells. Do you expect now with, with Kobayashi having arrived in that the Welsh will depart? Uh, realistically, yeah. And I think it's a shame because um, you know it's you always want to see players coming through um, the youth system make the grade, but um, no, Kobayashi's come in. Kobayashi is a better player, um, and I just think that Welsh is now effectively that bit further down the, the pecking order, and he's not a young boy anymore. It's not like you can say, oh well, he's you know he's twenty one, twenty two. He's what twenty three, twenty four now. He's at that age where he needs to be playing. So I think that a move somewhere else, maybe on loan for a year, because you never know, he might do a Ryan Christie, he might go somewhere, be sensational and come back a better player. Um, but he needs to go somewhere and play every week because that's the only way he's going to realise his ambitions in football, whether it's to play for the national team, to to play European football, whatever. He has to kick on somewhere away from Celtic Park at the moment. And when we were having a chat about Kobayashi a couple of weeks ago, you know, you'd kind of pinpointed him as a player who's likely to make that, that step up to the national team. We know that Starfelt and Catherine Vickers at this point in time are kind of unbreakable in terms of defensive partnership. And then you get Moritz Jens into that conversation too. I know he's not a permanent player. Whether Celtic would be willing to, to make that a permanent offer is one we don't know about yet. Natasha, people are saying we should possibly just go out on loan, mm. not sold. What is your take on that? What is your take on that possibly if Yance does go in the summer? Does that possibly open the door for, for Stephen Welsh or is it just a case just now, something that Lawrence said months ago was that for, for Welsh to develop, you know, he's 22 at this point in time, he needs to play first-team football. That's it. Um, the right thing for Stephen right now is that he gets first-team football somewhere, and I don't know if that is best suited to be a loan or to actually move on permanently. For me, I'd prefer if it was a loan. You know, Welsh, he's never he's never looked bad. He's never done anything particularly wrong. His problem is that there's too many players ahead of him now, like Liam touched on, and the stage that he's at in his career, he needs game time. Um, for, for that reason, I'd quite like to see him go out on loan somewhere because, um, you know, when you consider, look, look who we've got, you know, at the moment in terms of Carter Vickers, Starfelt, Jens, Kobayashi, 
even Oata is able to play in that sort of more defensive role. Welsh is a long way down that pecking order. So he needs to go somewhere that he can find game time because there is absolutely no prospect of that rising at Celtic at the moment, given who's ahead of him. Whether Yenzi's position changes things for him, I don't know. I think it's, you know, there's still going to be three centre halves ahead of him, even, you know, in Kobayashi, Starfelt, and Carter Vickers. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult one about Jens. I think before we signed Kobayashi, um, I would have said it was a no-brainer to retain Jens. Um, he looks good. He plays the type of football that we want to see and we would need him in terms of numbers. But now that we've signed Kobayashi, it seems to have slightly pushed Jens down into fourth choice. Um, mm. Kobayashi's made the bench a couple of times where Jens hasn't. I don't know if there's been illness or injury for Jens that's maybe um, influenced that. But if you're Jens um, and Celtic are making an offer to, to retain you after your loan and that is a fourth choice centre half I think you're probably going to be getting your agent to look for other options um, and equally for Celtic if the sort of rumoured transfer fees that are being talked about for Jens at the end of his loan is that money you're going to spend on someone who's going to be your fourth choice centre half so I don't know if we'll retain Jens um, I think the sign of Kobayashi makes that slightly less likely um, and then for Welsh does that maybe put him one further up the pecking order enough to make him want to stay he still wouldn't be getting enough game time for me because mm. even if Jens does depart, Carter, Vickers and Starfelt are not going to be broken up um, unless there's any injury involved. And at that stage, Kobayashi, I think, is likely to be the one to step in. So for Welsh, there was, even with the departure of Jens, there would be still significantly low prospects of game time. So from that point of view, I think he needs to move, whether it's alone or permanent. It depends on the offers, really. You could see him do something like Jack Henry, go to go to a league like, you know, the Belgian one, and then we actually get him back at the end of it. Um, but we'll see. But I, I hope that he gets somewhere, this transfer window, that is going to go allow him to play football for the rest of the season. Lawrence, you were the person that, that called us a long, long time ago, months ago, um, when I think when that link to Udinese came out. We know he's been linked to Toulouse also in the Ligue 1. But before that... Um, the reason why you know we can make that, that proposition that, that Kobayashi's above Welsh at this point in time is Kobayashi's came in, been on the bench twice now for Celtic. As I say, Welsh hasn't been involved in the team uh, since early November, which you know doesn't look uh, as though he, you know as above Kobayashi in the, the pecking order. Just in terms of you know Welsh's development, I think for both the, the, the club and the player, it makes sense for him to go. Whether that is in a permanent or a loan deal in January, it makes sense just now for him to, to go out the door and, and possibly weigh up our options um, if the money's not right on the table just now for him, certainly by all means let him go out and lower, I know people are saying that if, if Portes heads to, to Watford or whatever it is he's getting linked with that he could maybe go to, to Hibs for instance um, but you know I think for Welsh's development he needs to be playing football much in this kind of similar role to, to Mikey Johnson who's doing well out in Portugal Yeah, listen I think Welsh is a decent player, I'm not too sure Ange thinks the same thing, he keeps buying centre-halves. So I think definitely for his development, his career, he, he, he needs to move. Initially, I think loan would suit us. You know, he gets to showcase his talents. If he does well, you know, even if he doesn't come back, it may increase his, his transfer value. So yeah, I think he definitely needs to move. Yeah, yeah he's, he's way down the pecking order. It's, it's a shame, you know, you'd have liked to see him make it. I, I just don't think, you know, 
Ange thinks he, Welsh has what he's looking for, he's the sufficient quality. So, yeah, time to move him on. The other and thing to have to remember about is um, Boston Lowell, who yeah. predominantly plays in the B team. But he, especially against um, Rangers, the game at Celtic Park just before the new year, he was head and shoulders above the other players on that pitch. He was absolutely fantastic. Um, shout out to Rockabata as well, who was equally very, very good. But when we're talking about defenders, um, Boston Lowell was absolutely fantastic. And the, the way he managed to you know move past players looked like when Virgil van Dijk used to play here, the style of football he played, I think, would really suit an Ange system. Yes, he's not at the level to, to you know step into the team right now, but he's a very, very good prospect that we have on our hands. Um, obviously, he did play for the B team against Rangers, but after that, he wasn't in the squad again because he was with the first team. Um, mm-hmm. the, the following B team game that they played against um, Civic Service Strollers and then the game against Open Goal, he wasn't in the squad, he wasn't in the team because of his, you know, first team responsibility. So he is starting to make that step up. So again, you know, he's he's one that we should be keeping on our radar. And again, it's all about timing and whatnot. You know, the manager speaks about it almost feels lame as if Welsh has been around for a hell of a long time. I remember him making his debut, um, senior debut, that is for Celtic at, at Hamilton Ackies. Um I think we, we won the game 3 or 4-1, Julian scored a win. I think it was 3-1. Um might be free now actually, but it was a bit tense towards the end of the game. We brought him back early for Morton. We played at Finkham at right back. Um, and then COVID season, he kind of just got thrown right in at the deep end. I think he was about 19 or 20 at that point in time. Um, any defender, even I think if you're Bacon Bar playing alongside Shane Duffy in a high line would look rotten. Um, and then, you know, he came in last season under Ange and I thought he looked fairly decent. We actually saw him feature again at right back, I think over in Fenwick Varos um, and whatnot. And, you know, he did a bit of a job, but. You know, just in terms of development, I think at this point in time, it probably suits both parties um, for him to go out and uh, seek that experience. Especially then, you know, as Natasha mentioned, you've got you've got Boson Lavel who's who's been in and around the first team for quite a wee bit now. Yeah, I think um, I don't know how it works in terms of the the quotas because although Lavel uh, is an Ireland international, I think he came through a youth system in England. So does he what count as homegrown player? Does that think does, he came through? Yeah. So does that mean he counts towards the homegrown? Quota? I'm not. I'm not too sure. Some somebody yeah. could maybe let us know on that one. Um, because if it was a case of uh, him or Welsh, I think Lawal's the better prospect. Because I think Welsh now, realistically, is probably as good as he's going to get. Whereas Lawal still has a couple of years of development, and he already looks, as Natasha said, head and shoulders above the rest of that B team. So I think. Um, the, the, the greater potential lies in, in Lowell as opposed to uh, as opposed to Welsh. Um, he'll always be a good backup, but I think, unfortunately, and it's only my opinion, but I think that's all he'll ever be in a Celtic context. Um, if he was going to be any more, it would have it would have surfaced by now. So, now best for both parties if he moves on. I think, unfortunately. And Natasha, it's interesting that there's there's links to MLS. So obviously we've seen Lewis Morgan go over there and he's he's still you know doing a job over there. He's moved about a bit. I think he was over at Beckham's team, um Inter Miami, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and whatnot playing with Gareth Bale. Um but yeah, I think that's quite an interesting link that he's getting linked with uh, you know, MLS clubs. But again, yeah. Syria, France, that there's really good options on the table there for Stephen Wells. We're not trying to uh, you know, Pamela Wolf to, you know, a lower Scottish League team or whatnot. 
Yeah, I quite like to see um, to see players do something different, to see some of the young Scottish talent that have tried something different, whether that be go to the MLS, whether it be go to Italy, whether it go to Belgium. I do like seeing them try something different um, rather than just, you know, a move down south or a move in Scotland. And I hope that, that then, you know, sort of benefits the national team in turn as it should yeah. be. So if Welsh was to, you know, make a move to somewhere like the MLS, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it looks like it's been particularly good for someone like Lewis Morgan. He seems to be, you know, playing very well, enjoying his football, having a, a good lifestyle. So, you know, there is no harm in trying something a little bit, you know, out of the box like that. So if that's what Welsh fancies for a, a couple of years, then fair play to him. Yeah, New York Red Bulls now as well. Um, Lewis Morgan plays his football. Just to give us a wee shout, we were in the break of the, the chat. I know that Tony Curran sometimes watches the show, so just to give this a, a shout out. Obviously, he didn't have any part in uh, writing the book, but um, if you've not watched the TV programme on Mayflies, please do give it a watch. Um, I'm not in commission for doing this. I just know that Tony watches, so I thought I would give him a wee shout out. Him and Martin Comston are, are absolutely fantastic along with Elaine C. Smith, three um, right, and Cal McInnes, four right good Tims. Um, so give it a watch in BBC if you haven't done so. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. Absolutely brilliant. It's got a wee bit of everything in it. Um, so, so give that a watch. Lawrence, back to um, other current players. Juranovic, it seems again a bit of a strange one, this Monza being the side. But again, it came out last night that, that Celtic are aware of growing Premier League interest. I think Monza just now look like the only concrete team because you're the only team that's came forward with an offer um, and other teams that he's been linked with and that's all it's been at this stage you know Atletico Madrid Barcelona Chelsea Manchester United at one point too but Celtic are aware of this and I think at this point in time with the way his contract and whatnot works um, Celtic will be in his dialogue with his agents and wanting to hold off to see what other deals are on the table you know we're, we're still very early on in this transfer window yeah I mean He's alone for Yanovic. That's not an offer, is it? You know, I think they'd have just kind of laughed and put the phone down. Uh, you know, they're not being serious with that. So we've got his replacement in already. So yeah, I'm fully relaxed that that's been handled well. We've got a replacement in for him. There's enough time for other bugs to come in. You know, we're not in a rush to get him out the door. Yeah. So yeah, it's up to his agent to work his magic and get him the club he wants and then you know, they need to pay the fee we want depending on his contract obviously the release fees in there you know, it's not going to be as high as we'd like but yeah yeah Kamakis I'm kind of I've written him off already you know I think we've got Tony Ralston and we've got Alistair Johnston in it right back so yeah Kamakis he, you know, he's dead to me now that's that Juranovic you mean Oh, sorry, uh, you're on a bit both of me. I'm, I'm kind of going. I'm, I'm really relaxed. You've already sold them. Yeah, yeah they're in their transfer business. You know, you know it's, it's not a, a worry when we're losing players. You know, we know Ange can do identify players in conjunction with the sc- scouting network, and, and he brings in the, the right players more often than not. So it, it's kind of relaxing feeling. It's 
just now. So, yeah, and both of them, you know, they can go with best wishes. Hopefully, we get a decent amount of money and we we'll reinvest in the squad. Liam, and as long as they're in the room, the building, you know, I think Alistair Johnson's practically been in there as now you're kind of stick on uh, right back. But Yakimak has showed coming off the bench at the weekend that he's still still interested. He was lo- unlucky to to not uh, get a goal at the weekend. Um, and, you know, for me, it's about continuing to keep them in the short window. I know, I know some people would maybe say don't play them, but certainly Yakimakis and a game like that and possibly the weekend, if I'm maybe chasing a goal, I'd certainly be bringing them on. Well, I thought that Ange's post-match comments are quite telling. He said that Yakimakis's application and training, etc., has been outstanding. Um, didn't extend the same courtesy to Juranovic. So that makes me wonder if there's a wee bit of a, a disconnect there, um, perhaps. But the the Monza thing is isn't going to happen. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're to, to use a Scottish phrase, they're at it um, with that kind of offer. And uh, considering that their, their owner is the biggest chancellor in, in, in global business in Civil War Bell Stoney, it really doesn't surprise me that they're chancing their arm. Um, that was a that was a speculative one to see how desperate Celtic were to get rid of the player. And clearly Celtic have said, nah, nah, no happening. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, if he does go, go to a Premier League team or... Um, elsewhere in Europe, it will not be Monza because uh, they they can't afford them, quite frankly. <laughs> and it, it is interesting, you know, what Liam's saying there, Natasha. It was bizarre when you saw the that the loan. I think it's got an obligation to buy within it, but seven million pounds. And I know it's in and around the same valuation that's kind of getting placed in Yakimakis just now. But the difference between both is a World Cup semi final, um, and that is. The reality of it, we know that football is a very strange game, prices are inflated, we know that January is a difficult market, but at this point in time, it seems strange to think that Celtic were seeing in the summer that we'd listen to bids £15 million upwards, but then we're seeing a team getting linked to Granovic after a World Cup semi-final with his national team. Half of that just makes no sense at all, unless there is a release clause in um, his contract. Yeah. There, there must be. That can be the only explanation. There must be, and it's frustrating because we should be, you know, breaking our transfer record with this sort of sell. Given his contract situation, how long he's got left, given the fact that he's probably just been the best right back at the World Cup, he got to the semi-final, he looked fantastic. Given all of these factors, we should really be looking for well over twenty million for Juranovic, um, and I don't think that's overinflating it at all. We won't, we won't be getting anything like that going by the reports that we're reading, which is frustrating. It's obviously something that's been negotiated into his contract. And now really it is just finding which club is going to, to be the one who, who wins the bidding at the end of the day. Similarly to the guys, I don't see it being Monza. Maybe it is. Maybe it might be. Maybe they have got an influx of money at the moment. Um, where he ends up, I suppose... Not to say it's not of interest to me, but it's not of massive interest to me. What's of interest to me is how much money we get in for him. And the frustrating thing is that it isn't going to be as much as he's worth. And one outgoing um, from the Celtic women's team yesterday was Clarissa Larrissey. Um, Natasha, they got off to a flyer in the Scottish Cup at the weekend too. We'd like to check in with you on how the the women's team are doing. They're not far off top. So in the league just now, they've obviously progressed the next round 
of the cup. But that was a wee bit of a, a, a disappointment to see Larissa go. Um, it's hacker, isn't it, to Sweden she's meant to? Yeah, that's that's right, Dick. It was. Um, of course, we've lost our top goal scorer this year. Of course, it's going to be disappointing. Clarissa is the sort of player that you want to to keep hold of. She's been absolutely instrumental over the last couple of seasons and was a really important part of that cup double winning side of last season. But listen, it's, it's the position Celtic are in as a club and it's the position that the Scottish league is in compared to some of our European counterparts. You know, Scottish league only has three fully professional teams and she's moving to a, a league which is fully professional and much more advanced than ours. And we have got a club, a national record transfer fee for her, which is something that's going to be very difficult to turn down, especially considering that her contract situation means that she was free to go in June. So the the you know the, the issue for the club there is you can either accept a national record transfer fee in January or wait till till June and lose her for free. Um, so obviously, in terms of you know the business side of things, they've got to they've got to take that money now. There are already plans underway to reinvest it, which is good. We'll hopefully see another few signings coming in this week and next. Um, and for the player as well, what a great opportunity! She's going over there to you know triple her wages. She's going to you know a, a fairly professional league. It's something that her national team were very keen on, um, so that she can keep progressing in the Canadian national side. So from both parties' points of view. It's disappointing, but it was the right move. Um, and more positive news, yes, there was that 9-0 victory on Sunday at the Falkirk Stadium. Um, a really good display by the girls, of course, but Falkirk are a couple of divisions below. Um, so it was always going to be a relatively straightforward win as they progressed through to the, the next round um, and look to, to retain that cup, which hopefully we will do. In terms of the, the league position, um Three points off top at the moment, sitting in third place. It's always very tight at the top between the top three. Glasgow City are top at the moment. Then Rangers and Celtic one point behind Rangers. Um, the the games against the top two, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, are the absolute vital ones as we all play each other. Um, and Celtic have played both away from home now. And at the end of February and the start of March, we've got both Glasgow City and Rangers coming to to the Excelsior to play at home. So that'll be that'll be interesting in terms of. Um, the title race but next up we are playing Glasgow Women um, at New Tinto so that's on Sunday at we, we 12 we them earlier on in the season didn't we yeah if anyone's interested in getting along that's um, going to be Sunday at 12 and Glasgow Women are very much struggling this season they've had a lot of um, their own issues on park off the park it's not going particularly well for them I think that's fair to say they haven't won a game they have a goal difference of minus 64 so I think if anyone is interested in seeing some goals this weekend, hopefully we will see them at Hampden, of course, for Celtic. But there's also an opportunity to do that on, on Sunday and go and support the women's team. Yeah, good shout out. Um, good to get that wee update too. It's good to see that the three sides across the board, Lowland League, uh, the SWPL and obviously the men's senior team in the Premiership are all doing pretty well this season. Um, both the B team and the women's team aren't far off top spot and obviously the hoops are and nine points cleared by a 20-plus goal difference. Good at the weekend, Lawrence. Good to get back to Hamden. Usually there, and usually have picked up a cup um, by now getting into any new year, but because of the World Cup, that obviously didn't happen. Um, we've obviously played Kilmarnock, as we've already mentioned, just this weekend gone by. Um, you expecting many changes going into the game? No, I'm not expecting any. Were you a mascot for Celtic one time, Declan? Yeah, uh, we get beat by Hearts, and it was the the day that Craig Beatty 
scored at the end. Um, oh, and I remember uh, that. Yeah. I'm just wondering. He took his top no. off and he ran towards the heart end, swinging it about. And uh, I was in the, the main stand at Hamden. Uh, so, d- so, so kit on. We know where you're going with this, Lawrence. We know where you're going with this, God. No, there's a chance that you could get to referee a Celtic game in future. Then never know. Well, it seemed it seemed the way things are done, doesn't it? You know, obviously there's no uh, doubt that it's impartial. You know, getting former mascots to referee a game. It's interesting that you know the SFA sent a guy out who makes a living in the after dinner circuit. Yeah, (laughs) seems that he may have cheated Neil Lennon out a penalty at Ibrox and uh, Brian Phillips to to John Hartson. You're like. He's honest but impartial, and the guy that's going to tell you he's impartial is going to tell you how he cheated Celtic. <laughs> you know, you can, can make it up. But yeah, Hamden, I'm not expecting any changes. Uh, I'm expecting, you know, VAR controversy again. Uh, but I think we should have an RTD come back. I'm hoping so, and I do agree. Some people are saying I was a dodgy mascot. I was. Um, <laughs> thankfully, my dad didn't stop taking me to the to the games after that. We hadn't long won the league yet. Uh, Rugby Park I think the week before it and then uh, that happened and I've flatly had a conversation with Neil Lennon about this and uh, you know I got got an apology with him for for that game but you know that day uh, if you remember right Lawrence we were also cheated out a penalty I think it was um, and he went roaring onto the park uh, one of the fastest I've ever seen Lenny move I think and even during his playing career onto the park that day Um, Liam you expecting too many changes into the team obviously Natasha mentioned O'Reilly coming over the weekend. Maybe go back to that, or do you see Moy keep the starting position in there in midfield? No, I, th- I think stick with uh, stick with the winning formula. Um, I'm just not too happy about this being a half five kickoff because that's the middle of the night for me, and I'm really not missing the game. So my, my local I'm pub's not. delighted that it's a. <laughs> uh, back a five kickoff um, because uh, oh. it's going to be rammed up there by about one or two o'clock probably. Uh, unfortunately, the, the the concept of lock-ins hasn't really caught on in Japan, so I'm not going to have the yeah, option okay. of going to the pub to watch it. Um, but uh, no, I think uh, I think it'll be a you know pretty routine one. Kamarak uh, are not going to offer any more than they offered at the weekend, and that was their best chance to take something from us. I don't see them doing anything at Hamden. Um, I think it will be at least the same, if not a, a wider margin of victory. And back to, to Declan the Jinx, Natasha. Last time I think I saw Celtic play Kelly at Hamden was in the 2012 League Cup final. It was actually that same season. I think back to it now. Um, I'm sure that's the last time he played Kelly at Hamden. Not the result we wanted that day. Hopefully make amends all those years. Oh, and if you remember right, Liam, I know you're a bit of a kit aficionado we wore that kind of white kit with green sleeves mm-hmm. on it I had a kind of silver line running through mm-hmm. it um, I always think Anthony Stokes when I see Celtic in that kit that was the last time I think we played Kelly at Hamden but since then our record has dramatically improved at Hamden Natasha and as I say it was the first trophy we were under Ange hopefully it's a wee bit easier a game than the St Johnson semi uh, last November um, but it's always good to get a day out at Hamden hopefully book another day out at Hamden yeah, isn't it? Um, they are always good days out, usually. Um, nice half-five kick-off. Sorry, Liam, quite looking forward to that. Um, it's just us down to a two over here. So, yeah, looking forward to it. It should be a, a good day, should be a good game. I think I agree with what the guys have said in that 
Hamden probably suits us slightly better even than Celtic Park does against Kilmarnock. I think the points that we touched on earlier in terms of using, you know, tiring the opponent out, a big wide pitch like Hamden is, is only going to add to that. So, you know, we've we've had a good look at them as well. They made plenty of subs against us at the weekend. We've we've had the chance to, to assess what they can do. Equally, they've had the chance to assess what we can do. And their assessment is that we're just really, really good, I think, is what, what we managed to get from that. So hopefully um, we managed to, to prove that again at the weekend and it's a, a good day out. Yep, they'll be hoping the woodwork is as good at Hamden. And I know Lawrence will be thinking, uh, gentlemen, in either black jerseys, red, yellow, whatever they're wearing, um, Killer might be hoping that they'll do them a turn. Thank you to everybody for uh, tuning in. As always, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, I know Paul put it out there earlier, please do. There's a lot of you in our comments regularly who haven't already subscribed. Um, and that'll keep you up to date with any new video content. We've obviously just recently announced that we've sold out our event in February with Martin O'Neill, which we promises to be a cracker. We've obviously got a sold-out event with Brian McClare, and I think there are still some tickets remaining for Danny McGreen and Gracie's too. So if you want to check that out, have a wee look at it. Liam, Natasha, Lawrence, thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind on Tuesday afternoon. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad, because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.
Sports Social Podcast Network.